Thanks, Steve. Because you missed last time, this message is exclusively about you. Is that okay? So I hope, hope that's going to be okay. <laughs> um, good morning, everybody. It's very cool to see Steve has already mentioned, and I'm going to reiterate that statement of um, some old faces that we've known for a long time, um, and also some new faces. And we consider it a very cool opportunity and privilege to be gathered here with you all, and in this space in particular. Steve mentioned that Tam's parents are here this morning, Roger and Yvonne, and um, this is home, kind of, to a degree. Um, growing up in this area, if you walk outside the, the doors and look over to your right-hand side, you can still see some farmland that is in the family, um, and some incredible things has taken place in this space. So I can imagine it's a little bit surreal sitting there, seeing us here, so um, I guess we'll chat about that afterwards and find out how that was for you. Um, so Steve, I'm going to take a little bit of a liberty, is that okay? Um, can I share a little bit of the context as to where we fit in the, in the picture here? So Tam and I are here, our family is here, because for those of you that have been a part of Olive Tree here on the North Coast for um, a little while, you would appreciate that there has been some change not just the big global change that we're all kind of experiencing, but at a local, more specific level, there has been some change. And so there is a conversation that is taking place currently where our family and the church that we started just 12 months ago could come into this picture that is known as Olive Tree North Coast, and we could step into a framework of leadership and care for what the future days could look like. And I say it's a conversation because it is very much that. It's a conversation um, not from one particular end. It's a, it's a dialogue. It's a two-way conversation where we got invited into what the future could look like and we felt like it was a conversation that we wanted to step into. And so that has gone on for a little while. It's not too far advanced in the conversation, but the conversation has started. And so that's one of the reasons why we are physically present in this space is really just to give the opportunity for us to get to know you and you to get to know us. And I know that the heart of um, Ross and the leadership team of Olive Tree, and more locally speaking, there is a genuine sense that people are to be cared for because you are the priority, okay? This is not about any one individual or a personality. This is about God's people and God's kingdom and God's church. And so we are very, very mindful of that and we are very respectful of that and sensitive to what the days ahead could look like. And so we are, as best as humanly possible, aligning ourselves from a divine perspective to ensure that this is God's intent for what the days ahead look like. Um, and I want to say this, that the people that we've had conversations with to this point, particularly from Olive Tree's perspective, want nothing but the best for people that would call Olive Tree North Coast their faith community. And so that's the heart of what these conversations are about. We have also caught up with Nat um, and sat down with her and had a good conversation with her. We don't know her at all other than the conversation that we've had, um, and even our relationship with Ross and the team and 
olive tree is, is a new one that is taking shape. But at the heart of everyone's conversation is how do we best ensure that God's kingdom is glorified, that his church, which I believe wholeheartedly is his vehicle, is his heart, it is the bride of Christ, goes from strength to strength, and that if we can play a role in that, we would consider it a privilege, um, but we're trusting that God's will be done, not ours. So that's why we're kind of here, and um, it gives you a little bit of context. We might be turning up um, two or three times over the next coming months, because we're not wanting to rush the process either. We don't feel like there needs to be any rushing. And what I love about a relationship in God and particularly following Jesus, if you looked at the life of Jesus, he was never in a rush. <laughs> there might have been pressing issues. There might have been things that we would have all thought he needed to have moved quicker, but he was never in a rush because he was always living according to God's timing. And we believe in that. We believe in God's sovereign timing. And so what will, according to God, will be, um, and whether that's us or not, we trust that God is in control and that he loves his church more than any of us could love his church, okay? So we're not rushing the process. We're going to be around over the next couple of months. And what we are inviting is we are inviting a sense of ownership, particularly for people who call Olive Tree Church home. You know, there might be some people that kind of turn up because there's odd relationships with myself and Tam, and over the next coming months, people might be turning up, in Jesus' name, will be turning up. Um, but particularly for you that have walked through this recent transition, we want you to feel as much ownership and participation in it as humanly possible. And so if there's times for you where you want to have conversations and get together with us, we're an open book, um, and we are available at any time in any place to have those conversations. So there's going to be more details that, that come out over time, and so we'll set up different times for more specific things to be spoken about. But just to give you some context, because you might think, well, Bev and Tam have turned up here a lot lately. Like, what's, what's going on? And so that's what's going on. Okay, just to put it out there, straight up, that's what's kind of happening. Um, we are going to look at the Bible today, if that's okay with you. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I want to read to you, and it's talking about a person by the name of Abraham. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. Eugene Peterson, in the message of that particular verse, says it like this. When Abraham left, he had no idea where he was going. Can anybody relate to that statement? That we might have life before us, we might have days ahead of us, where we look at them and we just think to ourselves, we have no idea where we are going. And we live in a climate, globally speaking, we live in a climate, nationally speaking, where there is a climate of uncertainty. We live in a current situation where things fluctuate so quickly. We live in a time where um, from what we could have predicted five years ago to what the next five years could look like, we live in that realm of uncertainty. Perhaps like never before. But I think we need to be mindful that the uncertainty that we live right now in an escalated state has probably just revealed that life has always been uncertain. 
We like to think that we have a firm grasp on things. And we like to think that we can predict and plan and strategize. But life has this ability to come at us in uncertain ways. And then how do we navigate those days? How do we navigate the days ahead in a place that is uncertain? And so if we bring that right down to a micro level for this community as Olive Tree North Coast, I would imagine some of you, if not all of you, are feeling that uncertainty now at a very specific level in the context of church. We might be feeling it at a big level. You might be feeling it at a personal level in your work or your family or your finances or whatever it might be. And now we have on the added journey of walking out a road of uncertainty. So how do we best navigate that? How do we walk these days that are defined as being uncertain, but in a way that enables us to live from a position of strength and to still see God at work in our lives? So let me give you a little bit of our story, if that's okay. Um, I mentioned the last time, and Tam after, afterwards said, you spoke about the South Coast a lot the last time that I was here, and I apologize about that, but I am born in Scottborough on the South Coast. I went to school in Durban. Tam, I would have already mentioned, is from here in Amplali. Uh, ended up going to high school in the Upper Highway area. Independently of each other, now we knew of each other, that's a different story for another time, but I ended up going to London in the United Kingdom at the age of 20. Um, I had pursued a career in rugby, and that was my thing growing up in high school. There were some future opportunities, and so I headed over to the United Kingdom. My grandparents are British, and so I got in through a four-year ancestral visa. I was in London for about two and a half years, and really got to the place in life where I could best describe it that I was simply lost. I went to London. I didn't grow up in church at all. I didn't grow up um, going to Sunday school even. We, you know, I went to a boarding school, and so we had chapel services every Sunday night, and those were hit and miss. I mean, like, it was classic because we had chapel, I think, at 6.30 on a Sunday night, and we would only be allowed out from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on a Sunday. And so for those of us that did have the opportunity to go home, to come back to boarding school on a Sunday night and then go into chapel service, being boarders, you were sleep-deprived as it was, there would be the bowing of the heads in prayer, and people just stayed in prayer, <laughs> which was pretty you know, spiritual of us at the time. But so chapel was a bit hit and miss. I had a God awareness, but I had no connection with Jesus. I had no connection with this church. If anything, I wanted nothing to do with the church. And so I found myself in London, uh, young. There was a handful of us that were boarding school together. We were in the big city um, and we made the most of it, if I could say it like that. We made the most of London town, okay? And then I found myself lost, like I said. I wasn't in the depths of despair. I wasn't on the streets, but I was genuinely lost. I was lacking a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. And so I started asking questions, big questions. Why am I here? What is this all about? And coincidence at the time is how I thought it to be. But the moment I started asking those big questions was the moment that doors started opening up to find answers to those big questions. I went on an Alpha course in Holy Trinity Brompton where Nikki Gumbel, who orchestrated the Alpha course, was leading that Alpha course. And interestingly enough, this is more to the other story for another time, 
Tam was the one who in South Africa suggested via via that I go on that Alpha Course experience. And so our lives started to be connected. She found herself in London. I had come back to South Africa for a time. And eventually I went back to London. Paths crossed. Walked into a church called Hillsong Church in London. And my life was turned upside down. I felt like for the first time I could connect into a local church environment. I'd always held pretty stereotypical views of what the church is. I found it was boring, dull, irrelevant, all of those things. Until I took personal responsibility to find myself in church, it all changed. And it was from that moment that I felt like I could give my life to something bigger than myself. And so I gave myself to this. And there was a good reason to hang around because there was a very beautiful lady who was there as well. And so I felt like I didn't need too much excuse to find myself in that environment. And eventually the environment was way more important than the lady. Um, Just joking. Um, But, you know, our lives became immersed in a local church called Hillsong in London. We find ourselves in a time there where there was just this incredible momentum. There were people turning up from everywhere, and it was this beautiful, multicultural, uh, diverse, energetic environment. And um, it was phenomenal to, to be in that, in my first real experience of church. Eventually, we got asked to join the leadership team and took on a position in our pastoral staff in Hillsong, London. And our responsibility towards the last four years was to lead um, another campus, another congregation of Hillsong Church in the United Kingdom. We felt like it was time to come back to South Africa in 2010. I, I never left South Africa because I wanted to immigrate. I was 20. I wanted to go and explore um, and thought I was going to be in the UK for two years. Ended up being there for 11. But we always had the sense that South Africa was where we wanted to be. And we understood the challenges of it. We understood the complexities. But we couldn't shake that. So 2010, we make the decision that we're going to come back to South Africa. We had had some conversations. Tam's folks were actually in the United Kingdom at the time. They went away for the weekend, having left with us going back to South Africa. And when they arrived back in London, we weren't going back to South Africa. We were now going to Australia. We had had a request. Um, Brian and Bobby Houston are the lead senior pastors of Hillsong Church. And so Brian reached out to me and he said, listen, we've thought about you guys. We know you're going back to South Africa, but would you consider coming to Australia to start a new Hillsong Church in Australia? And so we just kind of looked at it as an adventure. Um, The conversation was never that we would immigrate there permanently. It was just like, come get this thing started and then we can have another conversation. So we did that. We went to a beautiful part of Australia. It's called Noosa. It's on the East Coast, about two hours north of Brisbane. And it's beautiful, okay? Really, it's paradise on earth, to be honest. And we arrived there not knowing anybody. Um, We didn't even arrive with the proper visas. And so we couldn't get a car. We couldn't get a home. So we kind of jumped in with another family who were incredibly generous to us, who became our family. The first uh, flat that we rented, we had no furniture, so we had to ask people to bring camp chairs when they came over to visit. Like, life was chaos. We ended up staying in Australia for close on seven years, and we fell in love with it. We, life was very, very good for us. We were leading an incredible church. We had made lifelong friends, some of the friends that we would still consider today to be our best friends. Our children grew up in Australia. Uh, Sienna was two when we moved there. Kewan was 
three months old, and so for them, Australia was home. And then this stirring came up kind of out of nowhere um, to come back to South Africa. And we couldn't really shake it at the time, but to make the decision to leave Australia and everything of what we knew to come back to South Africa was a huge decision. It really was. For me personally, from making the point of decision, I was gripped by fear, anxiety, absolutely gripped. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't, you know, but, but the positive of that was that it, it compelled me to find myself into a daily rhythm of looking to Jesus for what the future could hold. And it was the best thing for my spiritual journey because I'd never really been a morning person. Yes, I, I grew up surfing, and that's kind of counterculture. Surfing is always in the morning, but I, for some reason, didn't always get up in the mornings. Um, but now finding myself in this place where I'm absolutely gripped by anxiety, I have to get up every single morning. Not even because I wanted to. I had to. So I wake up in the morning. I'm starting to get this kind of rhythm with God, and we ultimately arrive back in South Africa in 2018. Now, all the while, we have still been a part of Hillsong Church. It's the only church I've ever known. We find ourselves back in Cape Town, and we were there for a time. And again, that stirring that probably led us making the big decision of leaving Australia to come back to South Africa, one that we didn't necessarily understand at the time, um, was the same sort of stirring that we then felt like it was time to step out of what we had known for so long. And so when I hear of somebody here like Abraham, Choosing to follow God when he had no clue where he was going, I feel like that's a verse that speaks directly to our situation for the last three years. The first time we hear of Abraham, his name was actually Abram, A-B-R-A-M. His name became Abraham, H. The first time we hear of Abraham is, Ab Abraham is Genesis chapter 11. And this is an interesting passage of Scripture in the grand scheme of the world story. Because what we would know is that Genesis chapter 11 gives us the account of the Tower of Babel. It's actually also referred to from theologians as the Third Rebellion. Sounds pretty grand, right? Sounds like a movie. Uh, the Third Rebellion. Um, but that's often how it's referred to, okay? The Third Rebellion of humanity stepping away from God. The First Rebellion was when God had initially created mankind. We would know Adam and Eve, the story of creation. Now, it's important to always go back to that original creation because what we see is the original intent of God for humanity. And He creates humanity, and He creates humanity out of His very breath. In other words, humanity is sustained by the very life of God, placed in an environment of beauty, but to walk in close intimacy with our Creator. That was the original intention. There was no grand mission. There was no strategic planning. It was, I am creating, and I create God by my breath from the dust of the earth, here is this mankind now created. My intent is that we walk closely, that we would just walk through life, the everyday aspects of life. And in this beautiful environment where there is purpose, where there is connection, that this God and mankind dynamic would be one of just a sense of ease and relationship and closeness. But then the first rebellion is indicative of how we tend to live as humanity, we turn away from God to essentially turning to ourselves. 
There is this deception that takes place and now ourselves become the, the priority instead of God. And so we turn away from God. First rebellion. Second rebellion is that God then makes a way for them to still stay in relationship with Him. And we get to a time of Noah. Second rebellion. Essentially humanity had got to such a wicked state. God needed to start again. And so He starts again. And then we get to the third rebellion of Genesis chapter 11. The Tower of Babel, which is essentially, again, humanity looking towards itself. When you look at the account of what the Tower of Babel was, it was people wanting to make ourselves famous and to make a name for ourselves. And so there is this intent to build a tower because language is common and there is a strength in unity, but it was misguided towards selfish ambition. And so what God does in that moment is he scatters humanity. But if you look at it very closely, and if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 as well, there's not just a scattering of humanity. God actually at a point disinherits humanity. Massive thing. Disinherits humanity except Genesis chapter 11 into Genesis 12, we have Abraham turning up. Because what God intended to do was to start again through a chosen people which would ultimately be about him revealing himself to the entire world, but through a chosen group of people where this dynamic again would now be based on what the original intention has always been. That it would be spirit-led, that it would be intimate, that it would be one of uh, adoration and glorification of God, not about ourselves. And the same call was given to Abraham, be fruitful and multiply and I will be with you. And this is what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Hebrews 11 is talking about the story whereby God is now calling Abraham because he sees in Abraham's future a nation of people that he will bring about his splendor to the world. And he says to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you later. Not now, but I'll show you later and I will be with you. I don't know about you, but when I see... In Genesis chapter 12, which is the actual account, okay? It says this. The Lord said to Abraham, Genesis 12, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. In other words, everything of what you know and are comfortable with. Everything of where you find your security. Everything of where you find your identity. Everything of what you currently know. I'm calling you to leave to go to a new place. And a new place that I will now establish with you. One that is established by my principles. One that is established by my sovereignty. One that is established by my relationship and not yours. So depart from that and head to something new. The most profound statement in that whole verse, when you come down to Genesis chapter 12 verse 4, there's just three words. So Abraham went. Like, think about that. Here he has this moment where he's been called to leave everything of what he knows. And it's just so nonchalant. So Abraham went. You know what I mean? Like, what was it about Abraham? What was it? Because that's the question I ask about Abraham. He is now being called down a road of uncertainty and he willingly chooses to go. So it's not necessarily enforced upon him like you and I find ourselves in this enforced uncertainty. 
Abraham chooses willingly to go down a road of uncertainty. So what was it about Abraham that caused him to follow God down a road where he had no clue where he was going? If you look at the life of Abraham, his, word, his life can be summed up in two words, faith and friend. Those two words are what his whole life can be summed up in. And they are both in relation to his dynamic with God. Faith and friend. Abraham is referred to on three occasions in our Bibles as being a friend of God. Not a servant of God, not just a follower or believer of God, but a friend of God. And in Romans chapter 4, it also tells us that Abraham is known as our father in the faith. So those two words, faith and friend, in relation to God, is what summed up a life that could navigate times of uncertainty. And so here's the thing for us, as we are in uncertainty, and as this specific context of olive tree and what it might be in the future as we are in uncertainty, the same God that called Abraham, the same God that spoke creation into existence, the same God that had intent to walk in close intimacy with mankind in a way that we would be sustained by his power and by his strength. This same God is the God in whom we can trust in times of uncertainty. And that if we could allow our lives to also be summed up by the same two words, that with God we would be a friend of God and that we would have faith in God. Because those two words are inseparable. If you think about any friendship, what is the basis of a good friendship? Yes, there could be common interest, but most often a friendship is based upon trust. The more trust we have with the person, the more in-depth our relationship or friendship with them is. And so to be a friend of God means that there is a depth of trust or faith in God. And so friendship and faith and faith and friendship are so intertwined. And what I love about the concept of friendship is that we are called into intimacy with the very creator of life. Not one that is obligationary, not one that is entirely rules-oriented, although there are beautiful guidelines for us and beautiful parameters that bring about freedoms in our life. This dynamic that we are being called into is one of friendship with God. John chapter 15, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a historical figure, although he was. Jesus is not just a good teacher, although he was. Jesus isn't just somebody who did good things, although he did. Jesus, what we believe and what our whole following of this notion of Christianity is, is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus in John chapter 15, where he talks about us abiding in him. He uses this cool metaphor of agriculture or gardening or plants. He, he talks about him being the vine and we are the branches. And so we are to be connected to him and from that place our lives will bear fruit. That if we anchor ourselves to him even in the times of uncertainty, there will be a fruitfulness about our lives. And that's the cool thing about Abraham. Abraham wasn't called by God into like this specific mission. 
And we can get so focused in on the specificities, if that's even a word. <laughs> huh? But it sounds good, though. So just take it, okay? I've got the microphone. Whoever's got the microphone speaks truth. That's not true, by the way. So, um, But we, we, we get like so bogged down. Like, okay, so God called me. Now, to what? So we, we have to have everything down to the letter of the law. And, and often, we base that God calling on some projected achievement. Because that's how we are wired as humanity, right? We're so achievement, performance oriented. The thing about Abraham, if you look at his life, he never achieved anything. He, he, there, there is, he cannot be esteemed for his achievement. Other than he walked with God all the days of his life. And is not that the greatest achievement? Even in the midst of uncertainty. Because uncertainty is not comfortable, by the way. I can say that the road that we've walked the last three years have been the toughest of my life, for sure. Up until this date. And I've been through some stuff. But the, on the other side of these last three years that I would consider to have been the toughest of my life, I can say to you that the faith, the dynamic with God has never been purer. See, uncertainty is not about our lives or following God is not about our lives being comfortable. Comfort is a, is a deceiver. We lived in a place where in all of the world, I can honestly say, and we have some credibility in making this statement, we have lived in a number of places and traveled to a number of places in this beautiful planet. Where we lived for seven years was the epitome of comfort. People changed their entire lives to find themselves in a place of comfort. But comfort's a deceiver. Because what happens when you get comfortable? You realize, is this what life is all about and it's not so then you have a greater compounding effect you thought this is what it's meant to be about but then you realize that it's not and so what now see this life and following God it's going to be full of uncertainty we can't deny that fact always times of uncertainty you know the cool thing about looking at the life of Abraham and this is how Eugene Peterson again author of The Message, a local church pastor for over 35 years, he says it this, like this, the person and life of Abraham is definitive for getting a real feel for what is involved in being in a relationship with God. And it is significant that the word used to best define his life is the word friend. Jesus in John 15 calls us into friendship. He says, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Faith. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's the definition of faith. And so we have confidence and hope even though we don't necessarily see it. And so what we trust in for our lives is that there is a hope. And it's not a hope as in we have our hope in a government, okay? Okay. It's not a hope as in we have a hope in an economy. 
It's not a hope as in we have an, a hope in the school that we went to or our kids are going to go to or the postcode that we live in. It's not a hope in all of those things. The hope that we have is in a person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is hope because we know in Jesus there is the best that is yet to come. And so we hold on and we anchor ourselves to hope. And that faith is having confidence, even when everyone around us is lacking confidence. Because our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in him. And I'm going to finish with this final passage, okay? Um, my, our hope, if I could say it like that, for this community over the days, months, and years ahead is that God's will be done and that his church flourishes. And that's not going to be about Tam and I. You know, like if we, if we have a hope that Bevan and Tam are going to come in and, you know, be the answer and your, your hope is misguided. <laughs> Because essentially all we're going to be doing and the best that we can is keep pointing you to the real hope and his name is Jesus. So that can happen with or without us, by the way. You know? We hope it is with us. Just to say that. We do. We do hope that it is with us. We believe that there is something in this that we are absolutely pursuing. But let me finish with this, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message. So we're not giving up. I don't think I've ever felt like giving up more than in the last three years. You know, giving up has been that thing that has just screamed at me on certain days. So we're not giving up. How could we? even though on the outside it often looks as if those things are falling apart. On the inside, where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. And I, I want to I use a good church word and say, I prophesy that statement. I prophesy that statement over your life, personally. I prophesy that statement over your household and over your family. I prophesy that statement over this local community that is known as Olive Tree. I prophesy that over this region, Salt Rock, Belito, Amplali, um, Shaka's Head, Shaka's Kraal. I prophesy that over that and I prophesy that over our country. That these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times in Jesus' name. The lavish celebration prepared for us, there's far more here than meets the eye. The NIV classic translation is this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary. And that's not to dismiss the pain that comes with what is temporary. That's not to belittle what everyone is walking through, have walked through, will walk through. 
but what is unseen is eternal. And that's what we have, a hope that is eternal in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you as we finish? Is that cool? Father, thank you for every person that is here, families, households, friendships, relationships, community that is represented. And we call for your blessing and your favor to be upon people's lives. We pray, Lord God, that as we choose to fix our eyes not on what is seen, not denying its reality, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen, that we live by faith. And by faith, may the coming good times far outweigh anything of what we have to navigate. And we believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we go, Steve.